Well, I hope at some point in this Christmas season, you've taken time to read the account of the birth of Jesus. That's the typical scriptures that we read during this season. The account of Mary and Joseph and the chaos that ensues as they enter Bethlehem. Mary, great with child, and they're trying to find a place and they end up going to a stable and Jesus is born. And that's, that's the typical scriptures we read throughout this Christmas season. Those accounts in Matthew or Luke of the birth of Jesus. But today I want us to look at the account of the Apostle John who doesn't start with how Jesus came, but kind of reflects on the impact of his coming in his own life. That he doesn't give the information on how Jesus entered, but he writes of the transformation that he experienced because Jesus entered. He opens his gospel, his gospel written as an old man. We believe that John wrote his account of the events of Jesus' life somewhere deep into his 90s. And at this point, he's experienced a lot. He's endured a lot because of his faith and belief in Jesus. And so as he begins his account of what happened in Jesus' life, this is how he begins. It's in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then in verse 4, he says, In him was, and I always wondered, did he, he stop and really give a lot of thought to what he would pen next? He says, In him was life, like all of life. In him, the best thing that I can use to describe of what Jesus brought to me was real life. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Then verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those whom believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. That Jesus came to earth, and because he did, John's life was forever changed. John and Jesus had a really special relationship, and I always wonder about the private conversations that John and Jesus had. John wrote that if he wrote down everything that happened during Jesus' life, there wouldn't be enough books to fill it. So I like to always kind of take my imagination and think about what were those private conversations like. When, when John got the opportunity to have Jesus all to himself, what did they talk about? And I always wondered, did this conversation happen? Did, it, did John ever look at Jesus and say, Jesus, why did you come? Or maybe not, not why did you come, but why would you come? Jesus, why, why would you step out of the comfort of heaven and enter the cruelty of earth? Why would you leave all the comfort of heaven to come to earth and experience nothing but criticism? Like, did John ever ask that question? Knowing that Jesus went through all that he did and John got to see it firsthand. John got to see how he was mistreated and how Jesus was rejected. And when all the other disciples abandoned Jesus, John was still there. John was the only one there recorded 
at the foot of the cross as Jesus was experiencing that terrible death on that day. So I wonder if there were times when John looked at Jesus and Jesus said, why, not why did you do this, but why would you do this? Knowing that you would be rejected by so many, knowing that you would experience such pain, knowing that you would go through all these difficult things, why would you do this? And I wonder if that conversation happened, would Jesus take John back to a conversation that John himself recorded? When Jesus in John chapter 3 was with one of the Pharisees, a man named Nicodemus, and John records a portion of that conversation, which might be the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16. When Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And that would be Jesus' response to John's question. Why would you do this? Because remember, John, God so loved the world. Not God kind of loved the world, not God just a little bit of love, but when you have such a deep love that God has for his greatest creation, humanity, and when you don't have the relationship that you intended with that creation, your love would be what compels you to do something about it. And why would Jesus come? Jesus would come for one reason, because God so loved the world that he desperately wanted a relationship with us. And it was that love that compelled Jesus to leave the comfort of heaven and enter the cruelty of earth. And even though Jesus himself knew that he would be rejected by many, he would recklessly step out of heaven for those who would choose him. And all throughout John's writings, you see that John, above all else, he was so certain that God loved him, that what he experienced firsthand as he walked with Jesus on this planet convinced John that above all else, he was loved. If you flip a little bit into your New Testament and you go beyond the Gospel of John into John's other letters, you see him write things like this in 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. And then look at what he writes next. Because God is love. Like love isn't something that God does. It is who he is. He would go on to write, continuing in verse 9, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see the fullness of God's love and the fact that He offered it with no guarantee that we would return it. To me, that's the definition of a reckless love, that God is willing to offer his love in its fullness in the form of Jesus with no guarantee that we would ever accept it and receive it for what it was. And when you, and only when you, grasp the fullness and depth of his love, can God really begin to transform your life. Until you understand the reality of his love, 
nothing else that God ever wrote in his word will begin to matter. Because until you understand that everything he's done has been out of love, everything else he said cannot take root in your life like it needs to and allow you to be inspired to be obedient to everything he desires for your life. John would later say in that very same chapter of 1 John chapter 4, in verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Notice what John said. John said, perfect love drives out fear. Now for us, maybe we can't even understand the context with which John wrote that. See, John, he would endure so much because of his belief in Jesus. He watched every person that he knew in the faith just about die for their faith. And John would face such persecution. If anybody had a reason to be afraid as he followed Jesus, it was John. He went through exile. They tried to pour hot oil over him to kill him. And like he went through some of the most dangerous, scary things. And he was able to walk through those, those fearful seasons. And it doesn't say it was faith that got him through it. It doesn't say it was security. He says it was love. Like if you ask John, how did you go through such scary things and come out on the other side still believing in Jesus? John would say because of love. Like John was so certain that he was loved by God and he knew that love in such a way, with such a depth, that fear was never an option. He says, perfect love drives out fear. See, God knew, John knew something about God that we have to understand and that I want you to grasp this Christmas. God loves me. And I know that seems really elementary to so many people, like, really, Matt? Like, that's all you've got on this Christmas? God loves me? If nothing else is taught to us by the story of Christmas, it's the reality that God loves me. That God so loved me that he sent his only son. He allowed him to abandon the comfort of heaven for the cruelty of earth purely and recklessly because of love. John knew that. It would actually be how he would describe himself. If you go back into the Gospel of John, John chapter 19, verse 26, it says, When he saw his mother there, now this is when Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is about to die. He's about to breathe his last breath. And he looks down from the cross and he sees John and his mother Mary standing there. And look what John says about himself. He says, And the disciple whom he loved was standing nearby. So John uses that term to describe himself. When Jesus looks out, he says he sees Mary and he sees the one he loves. And if you read through the Gospels, there's several times where John pins his identity in that way. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Can you imagine if I walked around and I introduced myself as, hi, hi I'm Matt, the, the one who Jesus loves. That may seem crazy to some people, but John was so convinced so deeply knew that he was loved by Jesus, that that became like his title, his nickname, that John, the one loved by Jesus. John's understanding of the depth of God's love for him would be what would give him the hope and strength to endure the most difficult things a human can go through.
John saw God's reckless love firsthand as he witnessed everything that Jesus experienced on this earth. And I think John's entire goal and everything he wrote in Scripture was to help us get to that same place where we truly understood that God loves us. And my message for you this Christmas, if, if you don't remember anything else, as you're going through the chaos of Christmas and you're opening presents and you're traveling from house to house and you're doing all the fun family things that you will do related to this holiday, that it would be more than just a holiday. That you would remember that Christmas reminds us that God loves us. And that his love is so deep that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you think you've made or how much baggage you've collected over the years that God loves you. And there's two things that I want to remind you. That his willingness to love is not dependent on our openness to receive. That whether you've received it or not, God loves you. Whether you feel it or not, God loves you. That your rejection has not deterred his affection. That no matter how many times you've stiff-armed God, no matter how many times you've pushed him away, God's still pursuing you. He's still chasing you. He still wants you to know that he loves you. And the second thing is this. His capacity to love is not dependent on our ability to perform. That his love for you hasn't lessened because of your mistakes or increased because of your successes. That no matter who you are or what you've done or where you are in this life, that God loves you. And Christmas is a great time to be reminded of that if you already knew it or to receive that if you never have. My prayer for you this Christmas is the same prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 3 where he wrote this in verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So as you go through the few hours that are left in this Christmas season, I hope at every turn that you're reminded that the true meaning of this time is that God loves you. That God allowed his one and only son to step out of heaven, to come to this earth, to walk it just like you and I walk it. And his only motivation for allowing any of that to happen was love. That if you don't remember a single thing else about the Christmas story, and if you can't recite all the details, that you remember that God so loved you that he gave. And if you're watching this and you've never accepted that love, you've never been willing to open yourself up to it, today would be a great day for you to make that decision. Scripture is very clear. It says that if we will believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we are saved and God takes up residence in our lives. And if you've never done that, it's just a matter of making that decision in your own heart. Or maybe you're watching this and you've, you've experienced that love, but somewhere along the way, life has convinced you that may, maybe it's 
been diluted. His love has been diluted in your life because you've experienced so many difficult things. And you can remember this day as the day that God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to this planet so that he could take away all those mistakes from your life so that God could live in relationship with you. So this Christmas, the one thing you need to remember is God loves me. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for allowing us to be reminded on this day that you so loved us that you gave, that the sole reason that Jesus entered this planet was because you loved us enough to make things right so that we could have a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for every person who's making that decision today that you would overwhelm them with the reality of your love for them and that, God, you would allow us every day to find the reminders that you constantly put in our lives that we are loved. God, thank you for loving us. And God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to love you back. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. Fire. 